You're listening to the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Ferguson, certified diversity executive, writer, human rights advocate, and co-founder of the Diversity Movement. On this podcast, I'm talking to trailblazers, game changers, and glass ceiling breakers who share their inspiring stories, lessons learned, and insights on business, inclusion, and personal development. Thanks for listening to the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast. I'm so glad you're here. My guest today is Kai Weedai. Kai is Dentsu's first senior vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Kai previously served as a diversity and inclusion client partner at Bloomberg and director of diversity and engagement at McCann, New York. Kai, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to spend some time with you. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise, I really appreciate you having me on the show today, Jackie. Of course. Kai, will you tell us a little about yourself, your background, your family, your identity, whatever you'd like to share? Yeah, um, I uh, I was born to two African-American parents who um, met in college in the late 1960s, which I think, you know, very much shaped my upbringing to be very, you know, proud of being black and very, um, you know, uh, educated and well-versed on on black history in the United States. And I'm grateful for it, I, especially since I, I grew up in a suburb, um, a suburb called Columbia, Maryland, which... Um, is actually is for as suburban as it is, is actually pretty has some representation. I think it could be pretty, pretty proud of. Um, that being said, still um, predominantly white space. Um, I was able to, you know, my closest circle, I think, was and remains uh, of varying backgrounds. Um, but again, mostly surrounded by white kids growing up. And I, I was a competitive synchronized swimmer. Um, wow. Growing up and all the way through college, so I just you know made my experience a little bit wider doing that. <laughs> but it was it was something I loved. Um, but I think a lot of that really informed the work that I do today, right? So navigating spaces where I'm one of only or one of few, and you know successfully building uh, relationships, um, you know sort of climbing, um, and hopefully showing uh, folks coming up behind me that they can do that as well. And I take that obviously into the work that I do every day um, and use it, I think, on both sides of it, right? So communicating and get building those relationships um, with the people who maybe this is their first time being the only or one of few, but then, um, you know, also working, working with um, people who you know, obviously this is most often white people who don't have as much experience with people who are not like them. So helping them, you know, when they have good intentions um, to show up as their best and challenge themselves. For sure. Thanks for sharing that, Kai. Let's talk more about your role at Dentsu. What is the mission of the organization? And tell us about your role. What are your goals and what are your challenges being the first in, in your role there? So our mission at Dentsu is to be a champion uh, for meaningful progress and a force for good. Um, And that's with our people, for our people, for our clients, uh, for our industry, and then also for society. Uh, We're really committed to long-term sustainable change and uh, within Dentsu to ensure a culture of of equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, We put our people at the center and we really 
work hard to create a space for growth and for thriving. And we do that with our four pillars. So transparency and accountability, that's really making ourselves vulnerable and transparent and accountable for our actions. You've likely seen our diversity, equity, and inclusion report that we put out each year, sharing Densu's best practices around talent recruitment, retention, growth, social impact, and more. It includes population data, that's scary stuff, and our goals yeah. for the future as well. And we were one of the first holding companies to, to put that out, uh, to put a report like that out. And we're incredibly proud of that. Next pillar, representation and sponsorship. You know, that's building a diverse and inclusive and accessible workforce um, and creating a more equal workplace for all. So how are we making that house a home uh, for our people once we bring them in? Education and continuous learning. So really making sure we're making cultural fluency our new business currency. And then client and community impact. So that's really committing to uh, being that force for good within our industry, our communities and our societies. And my remit is focused on our media service line. And I'm really proud to be a part of an organization that that really recognizes, you know, the nuance that DEI takes within each uh, different types of disciplines. So um, we have kind of a unique structure that I think we're going to talk a little bit more um, later. But um, we have our uh, chief equity officer of the Americas, that's Christina Pyle, who, um, our fear, fearless leader there at the center, who really earned her team um you know, arm us to lead the change and to address, you know, both the the broader challenges that you see across all of our industry, but then also the specific ones that pop up. So I have counterparts um, in uh, Dentsu Creative and then uh, our Merkle business as well. You know, I love kind of that you talked about these pillars, right? Because sometimes leaders dig into one of those aspects and not the others, right? right. And transparency and accountability. I love that you said that. I love that you started with that because that is scary for a lot of leaders. You know, being a Gen Xer, right? I was, I started my career where the leader had the answer. The leader was always right. Don't question the leader, right? And so now moving into this space of being honest about the things that are going right, the things that are not, Mm-hmm. The things that you need to improve on, admitting when you get it wrong, right? That's a new paradigm for a lot of leaders, but something that's so important because that's what employees are looking for when they look for a place that they want to be and work. And I think that's so important. So thanks for sharing those. And yes, we are going to get into those a little bit more. I'd love to talk about Densu's 50 micro actions that we can take to inspire equity and inclusion in the workplace. I'm certainly not going to make you go through all 50. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. But can you can you share <laughs> Kai, can you share a couple of those that we can implement immediately? Yeah, absolutely. So so we challenged our leaders to think about how they can bring inclusion to life within their own teams um, in a really sort of accessible way, right? Like how can they what are some actions, micro actions that they can take themselves that they can then proliferate uh, throughout the organization top to bottom? And they came up with the 50 micro actions for day-to-day inclusion to aspire equity um, and inclusion in the workplace. Um, and they're broken down. We broke them, broke them down into five categories, general communications, team meetings, outings and offsites, project delegation, and one-on-ones. So these are really as simple as taking into account accessibility at an offsite location, 
um, being mindful of all holidays that people on your team might be observing and making people prioritize, uh, feel prioritized, excuse me, in check-ins. So, hey, Jackie, you know, before we get into business, I remembered, you know, you mentioned that your your mother was having some some back problems. Like, how's she doing? Mm-hmm. Really, micro actions, like micro is a really important part of that. It's, it's stuff that I think a lot of us were raised to do, but sometimes gets lost, right, yes. um, in, in the rigor of work. And this is just really again, accessible ways to make people feel included. And I think a lot of folks would be surprised how long a ways that it goes to create that space and to create that feeling. There's really just no barrier to entry when it comes to fostering inclusion. Um, It's as tangible as it is accessible. And while DEI budgets are addressing the really critical needs, um, like staffing and resources, micro actions are an effort that don't impact that budget. And introducing inclusive practices to the workplace um, in the form of microactions really does a great job of ensuing that DEI is built into the DNA of the organization from the ground up. And not just the organization, your team, right? Um, I think we've heard time and time again in some of our employee um, surveys how important the team culture really is. It's one thing to sort of see something at an organizational level, but if you're not feeling that every day, day to day to the people that you're, you're closest with, um, you're going to notice that. And that, you know, that's why it's so powerful when it's there at the team level. Absolutely. I'm so in love with these micro actions because sometimes when you think about all of the things that are required for diversity, equity, and inclusion in a workplace, it feels overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so these micro actions, these things that we can do as individuals immediately, right? There's there's no prep. It's it's really just about thinking through how to make people feel and ensure that they feel included and valued in the workplace. And I, I think that's so great. Thanks for sharing those. Kai, you've been in DEI for a number of years. From your perspective, how has it evolved? Yeah, I mean, I, it's been great to see it evolve um, from being just a part of one person's job. Yeah. Um, my, my very first uh, DEI role was actually with the American Advertising Federation as a program manager for their Mosaic Center, which is where all of their um, DEI-focused programming sits. And I got to work with folks who, you know, some of those early pioneers who, who had the diversity word in their job title, um, but also just a lot of leaders who just had taken it upon themselves to extend the work that they do, to extend the budget that they have, to include um, this really important work. So I feel like that, you know, that was sort of early days. Now, I think from there, it kind of moved on. Um, and this is still the case for some folks where, you know, you got one person, right, who's who's doing the work. And again, you know, that's not something um, that doesn't still happen, but um I think Dentsu's approach is is something that really attracted me to the organization. And like I mentioned before, we, uh, you know, we have disciplinary leads. We also have regional leads across the globe Um, because DEI means something different in every market. Um, And then the structure in the U.S., like I mentioned, um, we have our chief equity officer, Christina Pyle, there at the center with her team, and they uh, empower and arm each one of um, us, us being the uh, leads across the service lines, like myself. I'm in Dentsu Media, 
Um, I have counterparts in Dentsu Creative and Merkle, and each one of us have small teams that um, get to bring this work to life within each part of those the business. Awesome. And Kai, you have spent a number of years in media, so you're no doubt aware of the many missteps that have um, been made and messages that have marginalized and, and made many of us feel invisible. What are some of the best practices for listeners in the media space on getting their messaging right? Yeah, um, you absolutely have to prioritize investment in minority-owned media. At Dentsu, we do this with a practice we call economic impairment. And Dentsu's economic impairment practice is taking a client-by-client approach to reshaping investment strategies to include more diverse-owned media. And it really allows us and our clients to invest in and partner with these organizations who have the audience and know how to authentically connect. Uh, We know how important it is to be listening and working with these partners to guide clients in engaging with diverse audiences uh, correctly and authentically, because we know what it looks like, right, when when that doesn't happen. And, you know, when we're thinking about building relationships with diverse owned media companies, uh, we're building relationships, we're doing that from the ground up um, in order to offer our clients a first look at some of the best investment opportunities in the space. It allows our clients to invest at scale and um, placing an emphasis on education and future-focused equity. And it also uh, combats long-term inequities as part of our larger mission for for being being a leader in good. I'd love to to cite an example, uh, our Gia Peppers series. Uh, It's really a prime example of elevating diverse voices um, through uh, this it's an award-winning uh, series that we have now, now in season three, I'm really excited to say. Um, we created it in collaboration with One Solution, um, a division of Urban One, and it's really a first of its kind audio series. Um, it's born out of a, a desire to not only respond to the inequities we see um, in the advertising supply chain, but also provide an opportunity for Dentsu clients to leverage a new consumer engagement model one that really avoids the intrusiveness of traditional advertising by co-creating and supporting content that people care about. The National Association of Black-Owned Broadcasters, as well as several other CEOs, lent their support in providing guidance to ensure everything about the series was authentic and meaningful for sustained impact. So, so that's something we're just we're really proud of and is was a way that we were sort of able to take this um, this intention and really bring it to life. Wow, that's wonderful. That's very exciting. You know, it's so important to amplify voices of more people. Um, You know, so often you don't get to hear those perspectives, especially if you're in environments that are not um, diverse. And so being able to hear those perspectives is so important. That's really fantastic. Really fantastic. Kai, a lot of organizations are quietly disinvesting in their previous DEI commitments for various reasons. One, um, you know, the economy, right, is starting to to shift, right? And so people are getting tighter on their budgets. Um, Another is it feels like to some that we're moving through the um, racial injustice portion of this whole pandemic and, you know, 
issues with um, systemic racism, which we're not, but, you know, it feels like because it's not in the news every day like it was in, you know, mid-2020, that there's a shift in what employees are expecting, although that's not true. Why should organizations be renewing their commitments to DEI and not reducing them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all contending with economic volatility, conservative weaponizing of DEI um, and an election year, which Mm -hmm. can all, all of this can stifle momentum um, and take us back where we started if we don't stay vigilant. We've had some good years and made some strides, but we know from just recent history, I won't even say history, like recent history, that that progress can disappear before we know it. You know, we've got a larger looming sense of economic uncertainty. And what we're seeing, uh, even with our tech partners, is a cautionary tale. I mean, in the past, DEI has been funded in good times, but in challenging times is when we really need to be investing in it the most. McKinsey also uh, just released some startling research just this past fall that women and women leaders are switching jobs at the highest rates ever seen. Uh, They're looking for flexibility. They're looking for recognition, balance. um, And they're not as accepting of the ways of working that we accepted as the norms just a few years ago. So, you know, including institutionalized practices that have kept them from reaching the top roles. Uh, we're excited to be partnering with Google this year on a Women in Media Summit uh, to bring uh, a lot of that to light and to tackle these headwinds and explore how we as an industry can really lead uh, the change we need to enact. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. That is one of the things that's that's so true. It's when things start to get tight, DEI is one of the first things that people look at, you know, reducing that budget and you shouldn't because the way that your employees and prospective employees are thinking about culture, you need to make sure that you have that right culture so that you can retain your employees. Because if they start, you know, moving away, jumping ship, um, you're going to find your business is going to suffer. Yeah. So. And, and you'll find that the client demand for representation, diversity on their teams is not changing. That's right. It's not. Absolutely. It's still there. So that has to be kept front of mind. Absolutely. Kai, what do leaders often get wrong about DEI and what advice can you offer? Um, I would say, you know, this work can't be done by only one lead or someone splitting their time or by volunteers. This is a job that to be done successfully requires a seat at your leadership table and a team to support that person. Don't rely on your business resource groups um, or your employee resource groups to get this work done. Uh, these folks, you know, they join BRGs or ERGs um, as volunteers. They have a whole other jobs with clients demanding their time. Uh, so we don't want real critical DEI work to be an afterthought or a volunteer side job. Don't treat it like that. DEI requires a full-time commitment to power this work. And, uh, and it requires subject matter expertise. Absolutely. So the role has to be treated with that, that respect. That makes sense. And, and you're right. That's one of the things that people very often get wrong is making it a part of someone's job um, or making it a, a volunteer committee or, you know, having it roll 
deep into the HR function rather than having a a direct line to that C-suite. And that's so important in order to ensure that there's buy-in across the whole organization and that you have the resources that you need to successfully shift that culture. And that's so important. Absolutely. Kai, flipping that coin, what advice would you give to practitioners in the space for the upcoming year? How do they continue to move forward even though those budgets are constrained and people are, or leaders rather, are focusing on other initiatives and the bottom line of their organization? Don't pull back in the tough times. You're only going to be making up for it again. Um, and my, my mentors who've been at this for, for longer will uh, support me on that and hear, hear and amen that because um, they've been through it themselves. Um, and like I mentioned, the client demand uh, for diverse teams isn't going to change. Remind your leaders of that. <laughs> Hold yourself accountable um, with transparency. Share your progress. Share the setbacks um, with your people and beyond. Publicly report and, and commit to that work. And then think about think about the top of your organization. Um, I think you know, there's so many great resources and programs um, that help us focus on junior talent, but I think it's just so incredibly important and it's more work. I get it. Um, but to put in the time and investment to hire leaders of color at every opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kai, when we first started our conversation, you talked about being the only or one of a few. Talk a little about what that experience is like navigating um, a career and what advice do you give for others who are the only or one of a few? I love that. I mean, I think when you find yourself in that room, don't get lost in being that only or, or one of few, right? I think it's so important to make it about being in that room and using that voice. I think it can get you know, it can feel intimidating. Um, you can get in your own way. Sometimes you can get mad and that's also getting in your own way. Mm-hmm. But what can you do in this in this moment? And, you know, maybe it's a moment, maybe it's a monthly meeting to create the change that that you want to see. How can you, you've been led into this room and that's, that's yeah. meaningful. There's trust there. There's faith mm-hmm. there. So how are you going to use this platform, this opportunity, this moment, uh, these ears to create the change that is is so um, integral and necessary to make that room look different. Absolutely. And then I always like to ask the flip side of the question, right? So how can leaders who are prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion, but maybe only have that one diverse person in that room or maybe a couple, how do they create um, environments of inclusion and environments where those individuals feel like they can contribute and feel valued and feel safe. Yeah. I mean, that makes me want to go back to, to the micro actions, right? The mm-hmm. micro actions of inclusion. How are you relationship building, right? Like how are, how are you creating that connection and that trust? And, you know, I think things as small as micro actions you know, remembering what someone's working on or is going on in their life that maybe they shared um, or putting their name in for a new project or, or stretch uh, stretch opportunity. You know, those are ways that, that 
you can demonstrate um, that that commitment to to support and growth for for that person that can lead to to so much more uh, for when that person who's the only one in that room who feels like who who's going to follow me, like who believes in me? You'd be surprised, you know, some time demonstrating that intention of inclusion. Um, you know, I believe in you. I value you. Um, and I want to work with you is, is incredibly powerful. And again, like, that's why we call them micro actions. It doesn't have to be scary. Absolutely. And then let's talk a little, Kai, about mentorship. So when you find that you're one of the only, right, or one of a few, how do you look at finding a mentor either within the organization or externally? And what is your advice there for how to cultivate that relationship? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's great. I think like, I think a lot of organizations really work to have mentorship programs in place. Mm -hmm. I think the hallmark of, of really good ones are ones that help you sort of navigate your organization and talk to people and connect with people like way outside of your reporting lines. Um, we launched a program in Dentsu Media called uh, Dentsu Guys that does just that, where we're connecting um, some of our, our BIPOC talent with leaders who are just, you know, in another part of the organization. Because I think one of the things that that um, is common for people really as they start to uh, approach sort of um, mid-career is I'm not sure if what I'm doing right now is is what I want to be doing, right? And I think this is probably true of, of lots of large organizations where people feel siloed and, you know, maybe the thing I want to do is here, but I don't know how to get there and I don't know who those people are. So I think looking for... Um, whether it's existing program, uh, programming or other um, opportunities to connect with mentors who, um, if you're looking in the organization, are in it, but elsewhere. And even if you're, you know, you're happy in your role, there's just like, there's so much to be gained from another perspective, another career path um, that I think, I think is really powerful. And um, also, you know, start thinking about, is this mentor someone who can also be a sponsor for me, um, who, you know, who's bringing my voice up uh, or excuse me, my name up um, in rooms that I'm not in yet um, and really advocating for me and putting me forward and singing my praise. Um, and I think, you know, that's also something that that's incredibly powerful uh, if you're looking for a mentor outside the organization. And also I'm not saying one or the other, have as many mentors as you can get. Like I have, I have a wonderful um, army uh, behind me. I think there's a, there's a better term. It's, I think it's like your board or something okay. that you're supposed I to call it. it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and your board can be made up of people who are, who are just mentors, right. And not sponsors or just sponsors and not necessarily mentors. Um, but these are, you know, these are all people who are invested, invested in you and also uh, be ready to like, you know, do the work, chase these folks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's so great. I love it. The board, right. We all need a board in our life. And I really liked, Kai, that you talked about finding a mentor in another part of the business because it allows for different perspectives, right? And I agree with the term siloed. And and certainly we can get siloed in our own departments with people who, 
you know, do the same type of work, who think like us because they're doing that same type of work, right? And getting that voice from outside of that, um, you know, that department or that, um, even that, you know, part of the country, right? To, to get an additional voice that can help you think about things differently, more holistically, I think is a great idea. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Oh, and the other thing I would just add to that yeah. also is like, don't be afraid of mentors who, and afraid is probably too strong a word, but who are not like you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, there's still so, there's, I shouldn't say still, um, there is so much value and yeah. you're bored um, being diverse and inclusive. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Because they push your thinking. Exactly. And that's, that's so important. That's such great advice. Great advice. Kai, tell me something that inspires you when you're, you know, pushing through a tough week or, um, you know, just trying to get through a, you know, difficult time or an exhausting time. What are some of the things that inspire you? I think like, you know, leaders who have like, who have changed what leadership looks like. Um, I think you know, the way we work has changed so dramatically, but I have, you know, some mentors who really like, and they're not, I mean, some of them are are mentors, actual mentors. Some of them are people I look up to and they don't know that they're my mentors. Uh (laughs) We might not even know each other. (laughs) Um, But people who, whose approach to leadership, they've made all their own. They're not um, mimicking something that they, a boss that they've had in the past or a picture of what, what leadership is, right? Like, this is the way I command a room. This is the way I engage with people. This is what my output looks like. I think that, you know, as I've uh, grown up in my career, I've gotten like really sort of stuck in that. Like, well, I don't, I don't really behave like a leader behaves and I don't, I'm not, you know, presenting in this certain way. And don't get me wrong. There there are standards, right? Like executive presence is still very important. Like good writing, you know, um, all, all of these, these, these things are not, these long-term, uh, I think, set standards are not for nothing. But I still think that there is a way that you can you can bring yourself and do it your own way. And I think that, like, when I, when I find myself um, doubting myself a lot, it's because I'm not valuing um, my own approach. And I've had enough people tell me that the approach that I have is valuable, is meaningful, is impactful, that I just need to, you know, believe it which I think we can all relate to. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Kai, tell me when you, when you're feeling that way, right? Cause we've, you're right. We've all felt that when you're feeling like you're undervaluing your own approach, what pulls you out of that? I think like my people, you know, I've got like, I have a great network of like, you know, of, of, friends at work, colleagues at work, um, friends at home, personal friends, um, my husband, you know, who, who are all always there to like hype me. Um, and that's, and that's so important. Like my, my, my friend and, you know, the personal network, the people that I choose to spend time with, um, you know, I really, I really trust them. I'm really proud that they all have, um, you know, they're a very diverse and inclusive board themselves. And I like to surround myself with people who, you know, have like experience and also have 
completely different experience in walks of life. And I think that like, that also makes it so that when they are, you know, pulling me back on my feet, you know, um, they all have different reasons for doing so. Right. Like, I guess the commonality is that they all love me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really appreciate that they're coming from different places to do that. So that is what, what pulls me out. makes me feel good again. That's fantastic. And Kai, before we begin to wrap up, tell me a little about you outside. We've talked about all the amazing things that you're doing at Dentsu and DEI Perspectives. Tell me about you outside of what you do professionally. Well, I mentioned synchronized swimming is a a huge part of my my life. Um, Now, since moving to New York, there aren't quite as many, many pools, but I've found, you know, there's Uh, what you call like masters sports, which is just like what we all do when we get older and we were never like Olympic or professional bound athletes, (laughs) but we want to go back to that joy. (laughs) So, you know, I've, I've swum with a number of uh, masters programs just to sort of, to keep that in my life. Um, uh, This sport is actually now referred to as artistic swimming um, and, you know, USA artistic swimming, um, tapped me to, to be a part of, um, a, a DEI committee that they, they were pulling together to see how, you know, how can we get more, um, people of, of different backgrounds into the sport, which I, I really commend. And I think is, is really powerful. And, um, it's been great to see this, to see the sport become more diverse and also, um, more accessible as well. Um, um, for, for young disabled swimmers. Um, cause it's just, you know, I think I learned so much of like, I'll, I'll call it poise, you know, like c- coming into again, like coming into those rooms where you're one of few or one of only. And I, you know, sort of think of that as like, all right, it's it's like time to compete, you know, and, and you know, when you see like the gymnast, I think more people watch gymnastics than artistic swimming. So I'll, I'll compare it to that. There's that moment where they roll their shoulders back. And the chin pops up and they just like go and you're not really sure what they're feeling Um, because it's, you know, you're just like ready, like you're ready to present, you're ready to perform. You know, I call back on that. And when I have those those growth moments. Right. Mm. So anyway, that's that. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm I watch a lot of sports. Uh, My husband is a D.C. sports person. Uh, That's, Mm -hmm. you know that's not an easy way to live. It's a choice. <laughs> and I try to support him in those endeavors. Right, um, right. And I've started crocheting. Oh. Yeah. Just got to get keep those hands busy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Kai. Yeah. Kai, what's the message that you want to leave our listeners with today? Yeah. I mean, I guess, it's okay if, you know, you feel like you're in a situation where there isn't manpower um, or you don't have the time to do the thing. And the thing in this case is is um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, there's other ways you can start right now. Uh, we talked about micro actions, um, other ways that you can build an inclusive culture, uh, partnering with industry organizations on talent acquisition could be a great way to connect with uh, more diverse talent, whether it's for that, you know, recruitment purpose or, um, you know, bringing new discussions into the organization. Awesome. Yeah. And then how can people learn more about you, Kai, and more about your work? Yeah, I would say LinkedIn is definitely is definitely the best place. So please feel free um, to, to catch me there. Awesome. 
Hi, thank you so much for spending some time with me today and for the amazing insights that you shared. I appreciate it and I'm so excited to have this opportunity to get to talk to you. Thank you, Jackie. Likewise, this is great. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please take a moment to subscribe and review this podcast and share this episode with a friend. Become a part of our community on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. This show was edited and produced by Airfluence. I'm Jackie Ferguson. Join us for our next episode of Diversity Beyond the Checkbox. Take care of yourself and each other.